0: I never try to decide the destination to go for the visitors, so I feel I make half, 50%, a day complete, piece, 50%, everything, for example concert, if there's no audience, there's no meaning.
1: Hi, I'm Ben Davis and this is The Art Angle a podcast from Artnet News, where the art world meets the real world, bringing each week's biggest story down to earth. It's hard to describe the experience of a work by Ryoji Akeda. The Japanese artist has worked as a musician, performer, researcher, and art maker, and he brings it all together for immense, immersive installations that fill the senses. But while the word immersive has come to suggest Instagram bait, Akeda's works are anything but lowbrow the experience of a Ryoji Ikeda artwork is both visceral and brainy, awe-inspiring and intellectual. With a background in experimental sound and an interest in science and mathematics, Acada's visuals often draw on huge data sets, flickering between rigorously abstract patterns and vast walls of projected data coming at you faster than you can process, as if tracing the sense of a collective intelligence trying to sync up with the universe. This fall has been a particularly big one for Akeda. In Switzerland, his gallery, Amin Resch, staged Dataverse 3 during the big Art Basel Art Fair this year, the closing chapter of a project commissioned six years ago by Udamar Piguet Contemporary, the art program of Akeda's longtime watchmaking patrons. The product of decades of research on sound and image, it animates data from the European Organization for Nuclear Research, or CERN, where Akeda was actually an artist in residence back in 2014, as well as NASA and the Human Genome Project. Meanwhile, in London, the three parts of the Dataverse trilogy were shown together for the first time as the centerpiece of the largest ever exhibition of Akeda's installations held at 180 The Strand, drawing crowds into what felt like a subterranean labyrinth of light and pure information. My colleague, Artnet News European market editor Naomi Ray got a chance to experience both the London and Basel shows, as well as a live performance given by Akeda in London. Akeda doesn't do a ton of interviews, but at Art Basel last month, Naomi got a chance to talk to him about what he does. He's one of my personal favorites, so I have to say I'm very jealous of Naomi, and I'm excited for you to hear from Ryoji. Here they are.
2: Hi, Ryoji. Thank you for coming on to The Art Angle. It's a real honor. Let's just jump right in. You have a very unique background, bringing together music and installation. How did you get your start in both of these fields?
0: My career started as a kind of a DJ, but uh, my background is really from performing arts, theater. I joined a uh, Japanese artist collective called Dumb Type, and I joined them like for ten, twelve years from '90s, and. That experience really formed me as an artist. I'm a really self taught person and I kind of dropped out of school. I have no background actually. That experience of uh, touring with this artist collective through performing arts, installation, and concert, working all together, this is really my background.
2: And who would you say your major inspirations have been in art but also in music?
0: Uh, It's really hard to answer because (laughs) I love everything and first, before being a maker, I love to experience art and music, then my job is to make something. Yeah, art and music, the people try to separate, but for me it's kind of the same. It's not exactly the same, but it's very similar. And for me, it's really, really strange to say that, but I feel I'm not really an artist. I'm not really a visual artist. I'm more like a musician-composer. who never read the score, and I've never been trained as a composer as well, but my main thing is to compose something. Music was always first, but music, what is music? And music is not sound. What is the difference between music and sound? For me, um, sound is a kind of property of physics. It's a phenomenon. Vibration of air is kind of part of nature. And the music needs a structure. Even John Cage's piece, you know, like a silent piece, like a four minutes, 33 seconds, he's twisted with non-structured structure. But structure is actually mathematical structure. So music really is part of mathematics for me. And somebody said, I don't remember, maybe Leibniz or somebody, a pleasure of music is actually counting unconsciously. It's a beautiful word, but, (laughs) so I think music is very much like mathematics, like a brother, sisters. And uh, mathematics also, you don't really see it. You can write it down, but it's abstract notions and concept is just out there. And music, you cannot see it, you cannot touch it. But on the other hand, art, starting in the painting and the sculpture, they struggle with the material. This is really like physics and science for me, because artists observe the world first, basically through the eye, and they make something. This is exactly natural scientists are doing. But mathematicians know. They even don't use a pencil and paper and the computers. They just travel somewhere because it's so abstract. And the music is also abstract. In fact, when you listen to the music of Mozart or Bach, even classical music, of course, you put emotions, but if you listen carefully, you really... I'm counting and you try to not analyze, but you do something, you know, with the brain and with the body to follow the structure of music. So for me, both are very important. And I oriented world, like a visual art, the painting things for my installations, but it's based on, again, composition, like a mathematical structure. And music, of course. I compose sound into music. And I compose data into artwork in the same fashion. So I'm very consistent. I just love to compose anything, even architectural elements. If I'm given kind of one space, first thing I do, how to compose a time and space, a bit like architect and composer's point of view of timeline. So everything is like that.
2: Do you have any kind of formative memory or experience of music or art that you've kind of took with you?
0: Not really. Because my heroes are all mathematicians. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds geeky, but it's really true because the scientists like Einstein and everybody, really, they tackled the mystery of nature. But they are scientists. Mathematicians are not scientists. Mathematics, you know, they will struggle with combination of numbers and the shapes and relationships, values and magnitude, you can't see it, you know. And which is very same process of using your brain when you compose, you know. You can write it down, but it's kind of very difficult to explain by word. I'm verbalized feeling when I make something. So art and music inspiration yes but that's what we human made and it's great but my greatest source of inspiration is nature and mathematics there's you know a long long argument mathematics is invented or discovered so nature is nature even without us it exists it's brutally strong and large and powerful and beautiful it contains everything because nature means everything in the universe. But mathematics is so mysterious. My friend mathematician said even we encountered other civilizations, like aliens, they have probably different physics, different science, because the physical constant are different on the planet or their habitable space. But the mathematics must be the same. It's really universal. Like you build money, number, it's universal. Even you have different kind of religion. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really like nature and the mathematics. We call it mathematics, but it's that thing. You,
2: know? you talked a little bit about kind of world traversing and there's the world of art and the world of music. And I wonder, you know, you're credited with being the rare artist who has credibility in music but also in art. Do you get different reactions from the experimental music community and the art community?
0: Mm, yeah, because they're different. <laughs> when I work with the uh, art people, like curators and the people from museums and the galleries, of course, they love art, they work for art, but they don't care what I'm doing for the music. And vice versa for music industry. And I do also performing arts. The people really territorialize, you know. It's the same art. Art, just one for me. But they try to make it kind of bureaucratic. (laughs) Performing art department, visual art department, and the theater and the the film. But for me, it's everything is art. So that's why I call artists, but it's a little bit unsettled because uh, which kind of art? I'm always asked. (laughs) But it's like that. Every single person is not that simple. She or he would like, theater, but also poetry, and also computer graphics, and uh, you know, I just try to travel all fields of art as much as possible. I do music and at the same time, uh, and it's interesting. Not only artists, of course, ourselves, we're not only focused on the music. We love art, potentially, but he or she doesn't notice, you know, there's this kind of world. So I try to make something as much as a different kind of feel.
2: And collaboration has been a big theme for you, from your work with the Collective Dumb Type, as you mentioned, to with Karsten Nikolai as Cyclo.
0: What is your approach to collaboration? You know, collaboration is impossible, basically, because uh, if artists work with other artists, in principle, it's very difficult. It's almost impossible for me. So that's why I don't really collaborate with the artist with some exceptions because artist has a vision and the artist for me, I want to do this and he want to do that. And why we have to work together. It's so crystal clear what I want to do. At the same time, I always collaborate with my, you know, collaborators, programmers, technicians. They don't really give me ideas, but they provide me uh, the skills also very different kind of point of view not idea but it's technically or even contextually when i make music and he she sometimes helps this suggests oh maybe this is good for the installations or whatever because we always deal very abstract coding so it can be anything you never know i might Start writing poetry, you know. <laughs> but it's like that. I try to be open as much as possible for that. Collaboration is uh, the project by project. It's completely different members. But artists and artists is a bit like a uh, strange for me. When I was twenty years old, yes. But now it's a bit too late. <laughs> but I would love to discuss with other artists. We don't really necessarily work together. Just I have a lot of friends. That's pretty enough.
2: And how many people work with you in making one of your big art installations? What's the process of kind of realizing those very ambitious projects?
0: So it depends on the project. Sometimes uh, uh, many people, sometimes just a few people. But basically, my team is uh, really small. I try to make it small. Because uh, if I have 30, 50 people, how we can communicate, you know? So then I have to take like a top down system. I don't like it. So maximum five ish. And then we sit together and we just discuss this is probably maximum five for me, even very, very large scale piece. And then if I fix small number of stuff and then I proceed the project, then of course, yes, small team and it's take a long, long journey to accomplish the goal. This is my way. And then I have many projects in parallel. And to basically to complete the project takes at least years. It should take time. But some people, you know, 100 people and like one month, which is good, like Hollywood system, like a Spielberg. But uh, like the other filmmaker, like a Kubrick, you know, they're very tiny. and uh, he takes like a 10 years. (laughs) But I understand, you know, this is really more, uh, less stressful and keep freedom. I take that way, yeah.
2: And the use of data is important to your practice. You collect raw data from everywhere from NASA to CERN and mix them into the sonic and the visual. When did this fascination with data begin for you?
0: Data, not so important for me because it's a subject to compose, it's material and sound as well, and the pixels and the light. I say again, the composition is everything. So I'm looking for what to compose. So I found data like 15 years ago. Now I know how to compose, and I compose data into artwork, and I show it to scientists. Yes, everything is scientifically correct, but for them it's useless, it's art. My process is highly driven by Aesthetics, and for scientifically, it's it's nonsense, they would say. But some scientists are really exciting to see it. But it's no meaning, just like a pure joy to experience. Because when you go to the concert, do you ask the question to the one melody of Mozart? What is that meaning? You never ask to the music, but why you ask a concept behind the piece and the things for visual art? This is a big mystery for me. Everything is live. When you see the painting, this is live experience, and you judge yourself. And that's the same like concert or the rock band gigs and the same. So my approach is very much like that. That's why I've been keeping quiet and uh, zipping my mouth, not to explain anything about the piece because I don't want to take away the freedom to interpret or experience from the visitors and the audience. If I explain something, this sentence is going to be the answer, which is so nonsense for art, you know, and you have to completely like, you know, free to approach, to see, to experience. I always say, when you go to a really good restaurant, just before you're eating, you know, the waiter explained like 10 minutes about the dish. I don't like it. <laughs> before you eat, you're almost forced to input lots of information. I don't care, I just want to eat. Of course, the material is data or asparagus, tomato is fine, but the key is his job to make a dish. It's very much like this. And if it's not delicious, it's not good. It's not good for me. That's why it's really fair not to say anything. Just eat, please. Dataverse, yes, you see. And uh, when they hear, oh, this is DNA or something, they got relieved. But it's different, you know. This is really not good. It's no information is the best attitude to enjoy the art pieces.
2: What kind of environment do you need to make the work? You know, where does it happen?
0: Internet and this computer, that's it. So we use the brain and ears and ears. For example, you know, the dataverse and contains a full spectrum of uh, science. That means, you know, we use a lot of data. You have no idea how large the data sets are. The point is you have to understand what data is, like a protein, the structure and whatever, DNA and the galactic coordinate and the universe, and black hole. So you got huge data set. This is just numbers, values, magnitudes. And you have to decipher this. That means you have to do science from scratch. So we all like a drop out and uh, we have to really learn everything from mathematics, science, biology, and for the last 15 years, it's a great journey to learn everything. 15 years I did, our team did, but we don't know that much, maybe 1%. It's like that. But if I attended art school or science, university or whatever, I never take any approach like that because uh, I'm completely free, you know in the uh, academic sense. So I can really challenge because I have no risk. I have nothing to lose. If you learn art, if you studied art or science and literature, philosophy for many years, you cannot challenge because you're so afraid to lose. You take a risk, but I have nothing. I just do. I'm so free. I'm so lucky as a non-educated person. And I still am learning every day. Uh, so, this is a thing. Even in the art field, I can't paint. I cannot do anything, you know. I cannot play pianos. I, mean, I can't do anything. That's why it's free. <laughs> From a
2: viewer's perspective, experiencing your work might take 10 minutes or it might take an hour or perhaps even longer. But many, many hours of labor went into crafting those
0: moments. How important is
2: patience for you?
0: For the... Visitors and the audience? I don't know. I'm a really impatient person. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I never be patient. If I fade up, I just go to the next. And uh, it's free for the audience. If they don't like it, they can leave. I don't care.
2: (laughs) The experience of a Ryoji Ikeda installation is often very overwhelming and visceral, but it's also intimate and cerebral. It's a very unique texture. What do you want people to take away from them?
0: I never try to decide the destination to go for the visitors. So I feel I make half, 50%. They complete the piece, 50%, everything. For example, concert, if there's no audience, there's no meaning. Of course, self-satisfaction, I will satisfy what I did. I do. So I respect people. Even music concert on the installation, the exhibition, whatever, I make half and the people complete half. This is fair. You see, that's why I I really don't want to talk, you know, explain the concept or whatever. You know, if I give the concept by words, it's really, really obvious like a leading, you know, (laughs) they have to answer, okay, this piece is that, you know, by words, one sentence. It's impossible, you know. Your experience cannot be reduced just by one, one, sentence, and uh, even one painting. So your feeling, when you see the artwork, uh, experience artwork, you are in the state of a totally unverbalized thing. You know, again, when you eat something, <laughs> you have some vocabulary and the words, but you cannot really transmit. You cannot explain precisely. The taste of a tomato how you explain that a little bit acid things and uh, but uh, you and me probably taste the same but who knows so i respect really every single visitors person a feeling and uh, you know interpretation or whatever even to my mother old people kids i never underestimate anybody everybody is equal and uh, it's really nice to hear like a feedback and the uh, Many times that the comments surprised me and it's just like, wow. Mm-hmm. So it's like that.
2: One of my favorite pieces in the London exhibition was a sound installation in which six super directional speakers wobbled out the musical note A, which apparently created a soundscape that is unique to each visitor. Given the precision of your work, does it bother you that you can't know exactly what someone is hearing when they experience this installation
0: or that some part of their experience is beyond your control? Or is that the point? Some people really misunderstanding me because uh, I never try to control people at all. <laughs> I control the system, environment. I create the environment. I have a responsibility, the fifty percent, and then it's yours, it's theirs. Whatever they feel, this is right. So I really feel even to myself when I see the painting or I go to the concert. It's like a reflect myself, like a mirror. And if you like this, it's a reflect yourself, your background, your unconscious state, whatever. Yeah, it's yourself. And uh, it's really interesting when I got a really harsh comment by somebody: ah, oh, I see him. <laughs> Maybe he's himself like that, herself like this. Because they don't understand, it's so frustrating, they're attacking. Okay, they see art in the brain, not like a heart and like a feeling. You see, and uh, whenever I explain, give the words to them, they never get it. Because art is like that, you know. There's no answer. There's no correct way to experience. Even A, that piece, and uh, there's no answer. And you have to discover yourself how to engage with the piece. And if you don't like it, fine. Like this.
2: The exhibition in London was your largest in Europe to date. What's the development in your career and your ideas that you hope people will see?
0: I don't care about my career because uh, I do music too. It was a really great opportunity to show many works at the same time, and that's it. I'm always busy. Most of the artists are maybe the same, but to the next thing, new thing. And past is a past, finish. Yesterday I did things that I forget. So many exciting things are waiting for me. <laughs> And there's the next, next, next. I, I can't stop myself. But many artists like that, I wouldn't say we, but I'm lucky because I never get bored, you know, what I'm doing. And uh, I never be afraid, you know, of losing your position or the, or the company or thing. No stress. I have a stress, you know, in a creative sense, of course, but uh, this is not to share. It's for myself, but I'm happy, I'm lucky. <laughs> So no carrier, yes, whatever. This is really artificial, you know, establishment or whatever. That's why I move all down, you know. And the fame and name and things is really, really tricky. So this is also one of the reasons I never accept interviews, but I don't want to play with it in the media sphere. I don't want to exist there. And I, I don't really take interviews that much for the last 25 years. But then, come on, I exist. I have no problem. Many people come. No promotion. And I prove that, you know. It's really better to keep quiet. <laughs> and I keep my privacy. I have more time to make a piece, you see.
2: Tell me about the Dataverse trilogy. Is there a progression between these three major works? Do they tell a story?
0: There's nothing narrative. and It's a pure composition. Uh, so one, two, three were made at the same time, at the same period, some years. And it's kind of, you can see, kind of variations or something. I don't know how to call it, but it's like that. I was supposed to have one, but I have too many ideas, and I made two or three. For example, the verse 1 consists of 15 small chapters. So I have 45 chapters from different kind of, you know, science, you know, things. So it's like a symphony in a very different way. But um, I put all my ideas for the last 15 years for this kind of a data, computer-driven thing. So it's kind of a conclusion.
2: My personal experience of your work was that it conveyed experience of synesthesia. To be able to see sounds or hear shapes this is something that people associate with both club culture and also psychoactive substances. What's your experience with either of
0: those things? I don't have it, but it's interesting. When I make something, it's really like a composer. I make a kind of sketch, like a diagram or scores or whatever, even dataverse or even just concert. Like a horizontal line is time and the vertical line is many different kind of parameters. When you write a score, violin, piano, and all the instruments at the vertical lines, and then you put the notes and to orchestrate something, to make a composition. My case, all the colors and the pixel numbers and things, all the parameters, and then sound. Then I just enjoy the manipulation of the relationship with the structure. As long as you do this kind of composition, of the composition. Of course, in a sight and hearing, those elements are completely like mixed and very tightly synchronized. What is first? I don't know. The video and the music, it's very much mixed. And musical structure really can be easily converted to the other visual elements. It's uh, really like this. It's so difficult to explain all the process, it's also very complicated. But then when I check the piece, sound cannot be independent from the video and the sound cannot be slave of the, the inside. It's, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like a very intuitive judgment, you know. It's a very precise preparation and it's quite intuitive micro judgments, you know, back and forth. All these processes like this. That means I'm a maker, I'm creator. On the other hand, I'm a, a visitor, a producer or whatever always back and forth. So that's the good balance for me. And also sight and the sound is always melting each other eventually. The beginning is like that. So each piece has a very different life and the process and the result and experience.
2: During your um, exhibition in London, and especially during the live performance of yours that I saw, my body felt a little outside of my own control. Do people react to your work differently? And what kind of different reactions have you seen to your work?
0: I don't know the reactions that much. But you know, the people say, oh, so loud, overwhelming, overwhelming and things. But you know, when you go to the death metal concert, it's much louder. Come on. <laughs> when you go to the club, like Guy in Berlin, it's much, much louder. It's extreme. And my concert is like, you know, like a baby. <laughs> I just do what I'm doing. And also, I want to try to enjoy myself too. I mostly want to make the piece and the concert what I want to see, I want to experience myself first. I'm the first listener and the viewer. This is the only thing I can trust. I cannot do marketing, you know. If I start thinking like this, I cannot make anything. I don't believe myself, I just make a test myself and this is okay or not. <laughs> so uh, overwhelming experience is because everything about the threshold of uh, perception. I push, but never, you know, across. If you do beyond your limit, for example, the sound, you don't hear anything because your drum is uh, popped up and then the sight, you know, you cannot open your eyes. So it's always playing this. And strong experience, physical experience, you know already because it's the rock, hard rock and the culture, it's nothing new. I just... Uh, make the same you know impact and the uh, really energy by my way you know with my way
2: experiencing your work can make people vulnerable and open their minds is there a message or a philosophy that you want people to take away from the work
0: it's better mirror like reflective and it's no message okay. because the work speaks for itself and the work can speak better than me, anyway. For example, the Dataverse tells many things to you than me, really. And so I really prefer to leave it, you know. It's much more the rich, you know, reaction you can get because every single person has a different kind of uh, opinion and the feeling, impression, and different background.
2: <laughs> Wonderful, yes. Thank you so much, Ryoji, for joining us today.
1: Yeah. That's it for this week's episode. If you like what you've heard, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, take a moment to rate and review us. It will help other listeners discover what we're doing. And if you have some feedback or maybe a recommendation for a future episode, go ahead and email us at podcasts at artnet.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at artnet.com. The Art Angle is produced by Sonia Manalili, Caroline Goldstein, and Tim Schneider. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.